0: Plus. Jaguar radio program. And because Skype is uh just so fantastic since they did their upgrade, uh we have what we have here. So uh <laughs> welcome to the World Famous uh Jiggy Jaguar radio broadcast, coast to coast, border to border on uh, TuneIn, iTunes, radio loyalty Stitcher and our brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the app store, JiggyJaguar.us. And um we are gonna be talking to Joel Block here in just a few moments. And um he is gonna be on with IQR Rizzoli and Dan Perkins and uh Don Mazella. I always get I always do Mazzella last. Why do I always do why do I always have Mazzella last on the list? I don't know but uh we are we are going to go back to the uh, skype audio here and we've got uh, Dan Perkins Don Mazzella, iQ Al Rizzoli, and of course uh, Joel block with us today and uh, Joel first of all tell us a little bit on your background so people can uh, get a feel for for the guest today and who we're talking with
1: well first i uh, I started in the C- in the CPA business and moved into venture capital and and hedge funds. So I've been uh, been running a hedge fund for the last many years. We buy real estate all over the country, and and I had uh, built a publishing company, which I sold to a Fortune 500 some years ago. So I've been uh, you know I've been doing deals. I I'm, I'm in the deal business.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And um, uh, first of all, Dan, I, I know that uh, you've probably got some questions for Joel, so I'm going to let you uh, jump in there. Joel's website bullseye dot com. Uh, go ahead, Dan.
2: Well, I would I would say if you're a venture capitalist, what do you think of what's going on in the stock market?
1: Well, you know, uh, the stock market's not really my area. Although, you know, it, look, it was it was down by 1,100 yesterday. It's back 600 today. We're not on the air, right? We're just talking between us. No, we're on the air. No, we're on the we're air on now. The air. We're on
0: the air officially
1: now. Cool, <laughs> cool, <laughs> So, you know, I mean, listen, you, you know. It jumps up and down and it's, uh, you know, you have to think that for the last, uh, 6, 8, 10, 12 months, we're up 25, 30%. There hasn't been a big correction. Uh, I don't go around giving people a lot of stock advice. I, I sort of keep some of this to myself, but you know, it's not unusual that there wouldn't be some event that would cause the thing to uh, come down a little bit. So it goes up by a lot and then it comes down a little bit. And that's what happened yesterday is it came down a couple of days ago. People get all upset about it. But you got to remember what's happened over the last, uh, you know, twelve months. It's been fantastic.
3: Hmm.
1: You you know, know the, 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 go ahead, Don. You,
3: no, I was going to say Bernard, uh, Bernard Berenson. They, they asked him, the great uh, uh, Wall Street guy, and they said, well, "What about the stock market?" And he said, "It goes up and it goes down, and, <laughs> and that's the that's the end of it." I mean, that was his <laughs> profound advice. Well, you're, you're,
1: you're, here Here's the thing you know is that uh if you look at it you know you know on on a minute by minute day by day basis, it jiggles up and down and up and down, but you know if you look at it every month or two, uh, which most investors should really look at it every month or two, they shouldn't look at it every five minutes, it just trends upward over time and which is good, it's good over time, and it's not unusual that you wouldn't have such a giant charge like we've had. And then all of a sudden there'd be some uh, some decrease where people want to take profits or they get nervous about something. You know, uh, I I don't I don't take this very seriously. And today it's back by half anyway. So you know half of the decrease from yesterday is back. Yeah, at at one time today was down 950
2: points. Um, uh, You're right. There has not been any meaningful correction since this market took off, but. But I've been uh, in the business of managing money for 44 years now. And um, uh, I look at what happened was there was such a pent-up demand for something positive to happen about our country over eight years of of Obama. When Trump came in and, and he started talking about wanting to make America great again and bringing jobs back, and then when he got a got elected and all of a sudden companies were saying they were coming back and they were hiring people and things started to move dramatically the the market took off because it really hadn't done it had done reasonably well but but not anywhere near its potential and so a lot of people who had been earning zero on their money for almost the entire time and one thing I need to put in perspective for people is it's been 10 years, 10 years since the market crash of 2008. Um, yeah. And uh, so we're, we're 10 years out of that. But I think that, that, the, that the pundits today were talking about yesterday, and they were saying, well, it's because interest rates went up, because of inflation, because the Federal Reserve is going to have to raise interest rates, and that they might raise interest rates four times over the next 12 months. Which would probably take the yield on the ninety day treasury to about two and a quarter percent that's not that's not a measure to knock down the market uh, if a corporation could borrow money in the two to four percent range, they can't put it to work making greater than the cost of funds they're not going to borrow the money. I think that there's an opportunity that people in business are looking at gee, if my cost of money goes up, so it goes up. But I think that I'm on the positive side of making it. What happens, though, in, at times, is that people forget how much money they lost in 2008 and 9, and they be, think they've, they've become stock pickers, and they, they know everything they could possibly, they need to know about picking stocks. And then when we have an incident like last 30, Thursday, Friday, and Monday, they all of a sudden have no confidence in their ability to make investments. And they panic, and so what do they do?
1: They sell. Yeah.
2: Well, well the either part.
1: they sell or, or, they, or, they, or maybe they take profits or, or, you know, or who knows what. I mean, I, I think that we are very healthy. I think everything what you just said is absolutely accurate, that there was a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, I, I think in the last uh, you know, 30 days, this new uh, tax program is extraordinary. All the uh, investment... The repatriation of capital back to the United States is fantastic. Uh, The investment, the distributions of bonuses is fantastic. And, uh, you know, I don't know why there are some people who are saying it's not enough, but you know what? Uh, Whatever we get is more than we had before, and it's fantastic. And these are all things to celebrate. Yeah, I say to people now,
2: I'm going to give you one of two choices. When President Barack Obama was in office, one hundred percent of the Democrats voted for and passed Obamacare in the first year of Donald Trump's year in office. One hundred percent of the Republicans passed a tax reduction. Which
1: one you're happier with <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good question. Hopefully, rhetorical, because nobody. Hopefully, nobody answers it the wrong way. <laughs> you know, look, right. if,
3: can I can uh, I jump this, in this, here?
0: Yes, yes. And then I was then I was going to go ahead and finish this up on this topic, well, and then we're going to get to our next one here, Don.
3: Well, I was I was going to go off the topic totally and ask him as an entrepreneur what he saw for the future in America.
1: Well, listen, I'll, I'll tell you. To me. Uh, the entrepreneurial spirit is what keeps this country going. It's not uh, big corporations that innovate and, and do the great things that make things happen here. It's the little companies. Little companies innovate, big companies operate, and and they they do a good job. And that's why big companies buy little companies, because they do a better job of operating them. But little companies, the creativity we bring to bear, these are the things that are, are what makes the country great. The tax cuts kind of just grease the wheel for it to happen. And, and we have an environment where there is just tremendous opportunity and possibility. And I think that uh, with the Internet, with all of the new uh, regulation that's been kind of stripped away and a lot of the things that have happened, the road is, is even more available to more kinds of people, all kinds of entrepreneurs, uh, regardless of where they're born, what language they uh, speak, where they come from, what they look like, all the things about them. Uh, the world is open to lots of people. And let's just focus on green instead of any other color. That's kind of how I look at it.
0: We've got, uh, Don Mazzella with us today, best-selling author Dan Perkins, uh, also I.Q. Rizzoli and our special guest today, uh, Joel Block. And, um, Don sent some, uh, sent some suggestions for some topics earlier. I want to start with this, uh, with, with this first one here, the death. Of the Russian airmen, what what can you tell us about this, Don? And I also want to get IQ's thoughts on this as well, since we haven't heard from him in the in the first twelve minutes here. I get concerned. Uh, go ahead, Don. <laughs> Jump in
3: there. Well, you know, you may or may most of us are aware. That, um, using an American-made, uh, anti-, uh, uh, aircraft missile, they da- the, uh, Syrian, uh, ISIS units downed the Russian, uh, advanced Russian fighter. And, uh, they, uh, they murdered the Russian pilot after he had parachuted to safety and landed, in, uh, um, in, uh, uh, on the ground, and they just, uh, cut him to bits. Um, uh, the interesting, uh, there was in three interesting parts of that. One, it's, it, it happened in the, the last enclave in Syria held by, uh, uh, and again, it's unclear whether it's ISIS or some other group. Uh, two, it was a Russian plane being down by an American anti missile. Uh, and three, it's the uh, interesting quietness about this whole incident. Uh, that to me is the best part about it. Uh, a year ago, we would have been hearing a, a hue and cry, but instead, there's been almost nothing said about it since that day. And I um, I chalked that up to uh, the changing uh, world in the Middle East. And uh, I was wondering what IQ had to say about it.
0: Yes, IQ, jump in there, my friend.
4: As usual with Islam, when a parachute. I mean, a pilot leaves the aircraft, the parachute is still alive, they cut him ribbons. They did, you remember the Jordanian pilot, they burnt him alive? <laughs>
3: this, is what,
4: this is what Islam is yeah. about. I'm not generalizing, I'm specifying. is not a generalization. In Islam, this is exactly what they do. You don't take prisoners. Muhammad said, on three items in the Quran, and the hadith that I agree with Muhammad only on three. One, war is deception. Two, never take prisoners. Three, silence means consent. On these three, I agree with Muhammad. On everything else, we are diametrically opposite. What happened, I I have no idea how they shot him down. Most probably, he didn't have, what the Americans and the Israelis have, um, Flares, had he had flares, he could have deceived the air, the missile. I didn't see any flares on the video that they showed. I don't know about you. Did you see any flares? No, I did not. Exactly, that's why they shot him down. All aircraft today, all fighters, all fighter bombers, have these elements which, can they shoot out of the aircraft to... Mislead the missile. In this case, there wasn't any, but they murdered him. According to the Russians' law, he blew himself up with a grenade. Whether it's true or not, is immaterial. But you, sir,
0: Joel, what what, 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 the, what do you make of this, Joel?
1: Hey, you know, listen. Um, this is kind of outside my uh, my area. I'm, I'm I'm just enjoying kind of listening to you guys on this. Okay uh Dan jump in there my sure. friend Well um
2: I think that that the the reason why as, as Don pointed out the things have been somewhat silent is that um what the terrorists understand now as do the the governments in that area understand that the rules of engagement for coalition forces has changed and so I'm not saying that they're blasé. I'm saying it isn't important to them that this Russian plane was shot down because um, the rules of engagement allowed them to do whatever they wanted to do and expect the enemy to do whatever they want to do. And so what we had for the longest time under the Obama administration is rules of engagement that hamstrung not only American forces but any of the coalition forces – from attacking when being attacked and so the fact that the rebels whoever they were shot down the russian plane with an american grenade launcher or whatever it was um, it just says that we we supplied weapons to somebody and this group whoever they are got them either because we gave them to them or they stole them doesn't make any difference they used them and they knocked down an aircraft who probably was trying to do something that he shouldn't have done, so he paid the price. And when he got shot down, um, I think it's fair, and IQ could tell me whether I'm right or not. I don't think that these terrorist organizations are signers to the Geneva Convention.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, let's find a topic for our guest uh, that, that he what do you, he? Joe, what would you like to talk Talk
1: about. Well, you know what we, uh, you know, I, I, we we're going to talk about, uh, you know, this gig economy. You guys were talking yes. about jokes about guys with hearts on their face. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, see,
0: see, this, that, this know? is something, Joel. That uh, that there's a lot of folks that 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 I know personally that have uh have participated in the gig economy and there's you know there was there was all this stuff there for a while where they were having uh, these apps where you could go to Burger King and you took you took a picture of something and you posted it and uh then then there was uh Fiverr and Gig Bucks and all these that came along um what, what do you make of of, of the quote unquote gig economy
1: well you know listen a couple things one is that you know, 50 years ago, or maybe less than 50 years ago, you know, our, our parents, uh, you know, our dads in particular, would get a job, they'd work at a company for 30 years, they'd get a gold watch, slap on the ass, and, and they'd be sent home. You know, and that's, uh, that, that's it. That's what they did, right? Isn't that how it worked? And, and they would, uh, if you, if you showed up and you were good and you did your work, uh, you would be invited to come back on, on Monday and, and get another, another paycheck. And companies, uh, stopped wanting to do that, and they stopped wanting to do that because it was more expensive to pay somebody every single day than to pay them a premium to do just the work that they want. So now, you know, it's kind of become normal that people get paid a premium for doing just the work that somebody needs, but it makes it very difficult for people to put a, you know, put a life, you know, a kind of a living together uh, when you're just getting a little little pieces of work, you know, whether it's a gig, 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 here and there, and that's uh, that's a big problem for people.
3: Can I jump in here? In today's post. The cover story is about a limousine driver who committed suicide, blaming Uber because he couldn't make a living anymore.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's I, unfortunate. I can, yeah, he, uh, he, he blamed
3: the gig economy.
2: Well, I would, I would say uh, to take a different side of this particular issue. Uh, while I agree with our guest in principle that uh, the reliability of employment in the corporate world uh, changed dramatically over this generation because you used to work 20 years and you got a defined benefit pension and you knew exactly how much money you were going to have in retirement. And corporations yeah. realized that they couldn't, they couldn't meet the funding requirements of the pension plans, so they went to 401ks and put more of the resp- all the responsibility of managing the money on the part of the employee, and and would or wouldn't necessarily help in the funding of the 401k. The gig economy, I think, was highlighted by the fact that the growth rate in gross domestic product in the Obama years as president was under 2%. And so what happened is that many corporations were unsure of one, what government policy and regulations were going to be, and number two, they were unsure of what the direction of the economy was going to be, and did they need to hire people, build new plant and equipment, and basically what they decided, we don't think we're going anywhere for a long time, as long as we've got Obama as president, so we have to control our cost, and we're going to have to lay off people, and then we'll hire special talent, the, quote, gig economy. Now we're in a different situation. Now we're at 4.1 unemployment rate, and we have a growing economy that's over three, headed toward probably four and a half by the end of the fourth quarter of this year, maybe more. Mark that down, Jim, as a prediction. And um, what's happening is that the skilled labor that corporations need to grow and expand their business is in short supply, and so those people who used to work in gig in order to try and survive are seeing opportunities going back to the traditional corporate market in order to fill a need that the corporation has, albeit understanding in some cases they're taking an employment risk that they wouldn't have as they were in a gig economy.
1: You know, I think I think there's a lot of factors. I think all those are, are, are very good points. You know, but but corporations you know there's a lot of burden on corporations there's uh you know a lot of payroll taxes, a lot of benefit packages the uh, the obamacare the all these health cares and all these different things it adds a tremendous amount to the base pay of an employee and if they can offload that in any way uh, then they want to do that and so even though uh, the economy's better and, and things are looking better, I think they just like dealing with people in this in this way where they don't have a lot of contractual responsibility
2: uh, i wouldn I wouldn't disagree with that but I think they're going to find as that that uh as the economy continues to expand and the need for skilled talent there's going to be more and more money put on the table and it's going to be hard to say you know I'd rather be an independent contractor but that six figure number hmm it looks pretty interesting. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to work on a particular day and looking for somebody to help pay the bills. There's a lot of comfort in that that uh, may attract some number of people who have been in the gig economy trying to survive, who have talents and abilities. Uh, but, the, but there will be some that will continue. But I, I think the, the pressure from corporations and the demand for employees may make a dent in the gig economy.
3: Well,
1: I, listen. That would be good for people, you know, if that happens. Sure. So, for well,
3: people. I'd like to jump in here and say there's a difference between a, a corporate executive and an entrepreneur. Uh, in, in my experience, uh, corporate executives are by nature conservatives, and uh, uh, and they tend to hire in their image. Uh, usually male, but for, uh, the male, uh, even the females, tend to hire in their image but um, they, uh in many cases they don't seem to be advancing the corporation so much as managing it would, would you like to comment on that joel
1: you know I, I listen I think that uh i I think you know there's there are so many millions and millions of people working in these companies it's very difficult to uh generalize in, in this way and say that you know all these guys are conservative there's all kinds of people, but I think what's crystal clear. Is that they want to try to push off of their balance sheet, off of their income statements, uh, responsibilities that they don't have to have. Now, if they get put in a situation where they need talent, uh, they are going to secure that talent, but they're going to fill in all the gaps they can with all this temporary labor, which is what we keep calling gig. Uh, all these gig people, you know, they're they're basically filling in the gaps. And why would why would you take on a full time person at a high rate of pay? if they're available at a much uh, much more affordable rate uh, when you take a look at how much you pay them in the aggregate so i, I just i think that there's a, uh, uh, I, I think that a lot of overhead got slapped on these companies starting in the uh the 50s and 60s and and finally corporations have been able to peel some of this responsibility off uh whether it's obama's fault or otherwise uh, they were able to start pulling some of it off and once that started happening, they don't want to go back, and I don't think that circumstances are going to force them to go back anytime soon.
3: Couldn't agree more. But isn't a corporation the original role of corporations to manage an, uh, an operation? Uh, and as you said earlier in your opening statement, in America, it seems that the smaller companies uh, um, innovate, and the bigger companies buy uh, uh, talent. But but I guess my question uh, back to you is, is I hire someone to be a, a, a vice president of marketing for six months. He, he or she does the job and then leaves. <clears throat> Taking with it all of the uh, accumulated knowledge and what's to prevent that person from going to your competitor and doing the same thing uh, with the knowledge of what you're doing? That to me is a drawback of gig, of the gig economy. But I, but I would say, so, Don, I would say that
2: that uh, I'm not sure. Um, there, there may be some cases, turnaround experts and people like that. But I'm not sure that the that the corporations who are hiring gig employees are hiring senior staff as gig employees. Correct. I, I would think they're that that, bad. for the very reason that you talked about, would be a, would be a high risk maneuver on the part of the company, uh, to want to hire the vice president in charge of sales, who's a gig employee, re- realizing, um, hopefully they're smart enough to figure out, as you point out, that that person could leave, quote, at the end of his term and take Client information with him, so I, I'm not. I'm not sure that the gig is hiring
1: up and senior people. Right, I, I would agree with that. You know, well, and I point out to you,
3: uh, I point out to you that the NSA is still suffering from a gig employee who took all their secrets. Uh, I use the term vice president. We could use director. We could use manager. Um, the interesting thing that I I found in the last year is the number of uh, companies that have sprung up across the United States who offer a senior level of managers uh to companies for gig assignments but even at the lowest level you're you're uh, opening up your your co- company to someone stealing your secrets in a gig um, uh in a, a gig assignment that's certainly possible you know, don't, don't don't
1: don't you think though that somebody you know, who's going to steal the stuff in six months is going to steal it in two years i mean so take take a step back i mean really it's about locking down information and releasing confidential information only to the people who need to know it and having better control of of that information maybe that's the problem that we need to think about maybe it's not the gig economy maybe it's the uh, the lack of our ability to control and let people into the inside of the circle who need to know what they need to know. We
2: we we have interviewed numerous people on the security and uh, data security business in our on our recalculating show, and one of the things that consistently comes up, which talks about what you just said, is that the biggest issue of threat of of theft comes from existing employees. Not from outside hackers. It's the risk that you have, and and we've we've talked of, with them about what security protocols you should need to put in place. But it, as you said, it's the it may, maybe the risk is the guy that's been there two years, three years, four years, who may have been collecting data all that time, and he or she is gone and takes it with him. But uh, I, I'm not saying that there aren't people who are trying to uh, get information that are three-month or four-month or six-month employees, but everybody we've interviewed so far has indicated that the real risk is with the existing employees over time.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and I would also say that uh, you said earlier about the uh, the senior executives, they're not bringing senior executives on a gig basis. They're bringing specific talent, programmers, designers, voiceovers, you know, actors, and people who uh, do very specific things. But the management team those can't successfully be people who are, uh, you know, who are bouncing in and out. It takes it takes a long time to learn a company and learn the people and, and understand what's going on. You can't have people floating in and out every couple of months.
3: Hmm. Next topic? Yes, um,
0: IQ. Do you do you have a uh, do you have a suggestion, my friend, uh, for for us to cover here?
3: Yes.
4: What does he think about Trump? What he's doing with the economy?
1: What do I? What does Joel think?
4: Yes. Yes.
1: Well, listen. I, uh, the stock market's up. Uh, you know, over uh, twenty percent. The tax program is excellent. Uh, management of companies are uh, are, are optimistic. Uh, large portions of our society, uh, people are optimistic. Uh, those things all bode very well, and I am very bullish on things as a result of that. You know, I think that the um, in the big picture, I forget about a lot of the minutiae and a lot of the distractions that other, uh, you know, other parties that people are trying to bring to the table to to kind of keep our eye off the ball. We have to stay focused on what's working, and I'm I'm pretty pretty clear that the economy is working
4: pretty well. I agree with you, but it's remarkable that you have 49 percent of the American people who still believe that Donald Trump is failing. 49% of American people. You know, it's it's hard for me to
1: understand it, too. I mean, these these are not... Uh, these are people who I'm friends with. These are not wackos. These are these are not people who believe in Martians. I mean, these are... I mean, you know, we watched the State of the Union uh, last week, and, and, and you know, as much as I think there are a lot of great things happening, uh, the Democrats sat there being mad, like they didn't realize cameras were looking at them. I mean, <laughs> there are some things that are working... They're they're just they're working whether you like it or not and and the fact that it's not their idea uh, is not what matters because the the American people uh, want success and 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 I don't just want success for me I want you guys to have some success too we can all be successful when the when the tide all the boats go up and that's what uh, matters here and somehow if we don't get past this problem and our politicians you know think about what these politicians are teaching little school children. I mean, we teach uh, five-year-olds to act better than some of these uh, leaders in our country.
3: Democrats have forgotten that the uh, the art of politics is compromise. Um, yeah. the NPR put out a story today, a National Public Radio, which is not exactly uh, a right wing. And what they did is compared the three bills, the Democratic bill. The um, bill uh, by the the bipartisan senatorial group and Trump's offering uh, on, a, on a sheet on the various things, and you can't f- uh, see much difference. This is NPR talking, and they even uh, drew it as conclusion. They could not see there is not any material difference between the three uh, deals. Yet the Democrats, and there's no di- almost no difference uh, except in, in timeline between the demo- Democratic deal and what Trump has proposed. Yet if you listen to the Democrats, you think that uh, uh, Trump was uh, 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 killing the democracy in, in America. It, it, it was just a fascinating document coming from NPR. I'd love to uh, your your con- Thoughts on that and how things are going.
1: Well, uh, you know, listen, I, I, I think that uh, I, I find it very difficult to even uh, answer when somebody says he's he's killing the uh, he's killing the republic, he's killing the democracy, he's killing the economy. I mean, they, they, they blame him for uh, for for tsunamis for you. Know, they they blame him for everything. It's no <laughs> I mean, I mean, the truth is, the president has a limited amount of power in the United States of America. Uh, there are certain things he can do. There's uh, a lot of things he can't do. Uh, the Congress has a lot of power, and the Congress isn't doing a lot of its job. So I, I, I just I think that everybody needs to uh, be a little less uh, focused on themselves and a little bit more focused on the big picture, and all of us will be better off.
2: I wrote a commentary for uh, um, one of my blogs uh, a week or so ago, and I said that uh, when we had the shutdown, Um, that was strike three for the Democratic Party. They struck out, and uh, they have no agenda, they have no leadership, and they're not going to win the midterm elections. And I said they lost the presidential election. That was strike one. Strike two, 100% of the Democrats voted against the tax bill, and they had no vision or foresight to think that corporate America they were absolutely blown away that two days after the tax bill passes, AT&T, who's got 200,000 employees, offered a $1,000 bonus to every employee. And now hundreds of corporations have picked that up and done all kinds of various things. So they missed the boat big time on the tax bill. And then the third thing that was the third strike, and that was when Chuck Schumer basically told the country, that he was closing down the government because the most important thing to the Democratic Party were the Dreamers. And the Republicans oh, yes. said, the, the Republicans said, not at the expense of paying our military, providing insurance for sick children, and the Democrats had nowhere to go. So they backed away and, and if we got into another and Trump was basically saying today, bring it on if you want to close it down again, uh, if they want to bring it down again and they don't want to compromise and do something, I think the Democratic Party is going to be a minority party. Period.
1: I will tell you one thing: their judgment is sure weak. I'm
2: sorry, say that again.
1: I said their judgment is sure poor. Yes. And um, well, I mean, I mean the fact that they would put, uh, you know. A, a small group of people ahead of the United States military by itself is very problematic. I think what uh, what Donald Trump said in the State of the Union about uh, you know bringing these children in and no, listen these are people it's not their fault they, they got brought here uh, no no fault of their own and and even worse than that the United States government has sat by and looked the other way and allowed this to happen and then then wake up one day and uh, you know I, I think we have to go easy on some of these issues. This is me I'm a little conservative but. But I, I really do agree that, that we need to go easy on a couple of these issues. But that doesn't come ahead of paying the United States the military and the other important things that you just mentioned.
4: IQ, did you want to say something? Yes. Do you honestly believe, all of that in the midterm elections in 2018, enough Americans would wake up, even among Democrats, that they had enough and they would vote more for Trump? What do you think?
2: I think so. I think that, I think that the Democrats, a lot of the rank and file Democrats look at the way the leadership is going, the lack of leadership. Schumer is under tremendous pressure from the radical left of what he did with the, with the, 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 the government shutdown. Uh, as I said, there is no leader. And if there's no leader, you got no policy. And if you've got no policy, you got no way to lead the people. So the idea, they are setting themselves up for, a As Yogi Berra, the famous catcher for the New York Yankees, said, deja vu all over again. The outcome of the 2018 elections is going to look a lot like the outcome of the 2016 election. And that mainstream media, who's been spewing out all the the rhetoric from the Democratic Party, are going to sit there at their election desk and ask,
4: how could it happen again? May I add one sentence? I'm calling the Democratic Party the following the National Socialist Democratic Workers' Party. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that'll work. By the way, they're behaving exactly the same way. Their supporters are trying to silence anybody who speaks conservative, whether it's universities, whether it's in debates, whether it's on the news media, exactly what the Nazi party used to do. Back to you. I have a question on this subject for our guest.
2: In your in your crystal ball, is it possible to change the direction of that divide that you talked about?
1: Well, you know, put it like this. Uh, all I can say is that uh, in ten years from now, it won't be like this. I mean, something is going to happen that's going to that's going to knock us off the perch and take us in a different direction. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, my crystal ball, uh the batteries wore out, and I haven't had a chance to go to the store and get a new set of them. So, uh, you know that that's kind of a problem. But well, I, um, you know, I, I have to imagine that something is going to happen, and 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 maybe what's going to happen is what we're sitting here talking about right now, is that people are going to wake up and say, "Hey, listen, maybe we are better off. Maybe the Republicans are doing something that's working." And maybe uh I shouldn't be so stubborn and say no to everything just because... Well, I'm not talking about the politicians who lose their jobs. I'm talking about the citizens. Uh, you know, maybe what they're going to see is that uh, some of the decisions that have been made are working. And you know what? I think that they are because they... Listen, I sit around and I think to myself, is Donald Trump either the smartest guy that was ever born or is he the biggest idiot that was ever born? You know, And, and I struggle with this. And I think to myself, which one could it be? Because he says such dumb things sometimes. But I think in the aggregate, when you look at it, I think the guy's playing chess and he's ten moves ahead of everybody. I mean, I really think that he knows what he's doing. I agree. Look, I mean, things are unfolding. I mean, they really are unfolding in a remarkable way. And, and we're all sitting there looking at, at move number one, thinking that, that he's an idiot. But the truth is that he's got it planned out ten moves ahead, and it's working.
2: Look how many times the mainstream media and the Democrats called him a buffoon and he didn't know what he was talking about. And time and time again, he was proven right.
1: That's what I'm saying, is that, you know, maybe the idiots are not him. Maybe the idiots are the people that don't understand what he's doing. (laughs) Good point.
3: Good point. You you know, this this weekend, the New York Times, on its its, uh, Internet page, put up a a story, a headline. I I wish I had captured it exactly. I thought it would be up there, but uh, it was taken down within four hours. Uh, But but it, in effect, said that uh, uh, he he, uh, uh, was a threat to the the democracy of America. It was the lead story. But it only lasted four hours, and I haven't seen it since. And... uh, uh, um, it just seems my friends in the the press seem to have gone overboard. And uh, the 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 more he succeeds, the, the more shrill becomes their attack. And uh, why do you think they, Don? Why do you think they took it down? It it was so egregious that even the Times couldn't take it. I, I'm sorry, I can't quote it exactly, but um, no, it was an, an article that I I even brought my wife in to read because it was just so egregious it it wasn't a, a news article it was a shrill attack on on trump and it lasted uh, uh less than 4 hours because 4 hours later when i went to copy it and send it to everybody uh, it was gone And uh, I don't have the ability to go back, as other people can. But it it was just an amazing document. And uh, the one that's up there now is how uh, his speech uh, demonstrates. This is right now up on the New York Times page, how President Trump's speech indicates he has a feeble mind. (laughs) That's what, you know, know, I'm sitting here, uh, you know, I'm just sitting here just amazed by what's going being said. And I've been a newsman for 50 years. And uh, just, uh, I just can't believe that pe- people from the New York Times are saying this. I'm going there now. What Trump, Trump's speech says about his mental fitness. Are Trump's speech pattern, patterns evidence of con- 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 cognitive decline?
4: Yeah. That's
3: yeah. that's leading the New York Times right now. Well, that's
1: what I'm saying. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. The, the, the guy, I, I can't imagine if somebody attacked me, uh, if millions of people attacked me every single day, how I could survive. But that guy, he has a different kind of constitution than the rest of us. He... Uh, he, he's like uh, he's a like bulletproof vest, the guy. I mean, he's like Kevlar. He's a walking Kevlar, this guy. Nothing seems to bother him.
4: There is, there is a reason for it, by the way, from the Bible. Those who curse Donald Trump are cursed. Those who bless him are blessed. Take it from me. Write it down. Remember this. <laughs>
3: You know, uh, Joe, many years ago, I covered a town, a very corrupt town in New Jersey. And every day, I'd be in the paper um, attacking the mayor. I mean, I was digging up stuff you wouldn't believe. Uh, His name was Mayor Nicholas H. Franco. And every time I saw him, he just looked at me, talked to me. He said, just spell my name right. (laughs) <laughs> you <know>? That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's uh, that's the only way you can explain it. I mean, uh, uh, I've talked to people. I, I go to the National Press Club in New York and listen into the conversations. And uh, naturally, I keep my mouth shut. But um, um, anyway, it's it just... Uh, uh, something. Uh, Jiggy, I just asked one thing. I want to talk yes. about the four chaplains before we leave the air. Well, because actually, we can talk little... about that right now if you want to. Okay. Um, uh, uh, only because it's uh, indicative of, of the world has changed. Uh, this week is the 75th anniversary. I don't know if you fellows are familiar, but when the troop ship Dorchester was torpedoed and sinking, four chaplains, a, a Catholic priest, a rabbi and two Protestant priests gave up their uh, uh, life vests so that other uh, 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 other troops, could uh, survive, and went down together, locked arm in arm. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, it was a story. Um, <laughs> ironically, uh, on the 25th anniversary, I wrote uh, it, there are there are stained glass windows there is a, a monument in, in washington there are monuments all over the place uh, it was taught and um, the story was taught in almost uh, 6000 sc- schools and churches uh when on a 25th anniversary now on the fifth, 75th anniversary this week uh we hardly ever hear about it and the only reason i know about it is because uh, uh the, the priest was assigned to a, a parish in Kearney, new jersey uh, But I just want to say how times have changed. We honored people like that uh, who gave uh, self-sacrifice. And what do we have today? Uh, When the the policeman uh, was signaled out by uh, Donald Trump in his State of the Union address for taking in a homeless baby, uh, uh, people got on him. Because they said he was a fascist, and they should the government should take care of it. It's just such to me a way of just talking about how the times have changed, and I couldn't let it go us go past that without mentioning it.
1: I'll, t- I'll tell you, in my sense, is that it, it's sort of um, you know it, it's because they they complain at every single thing, they criticize every single thing in a certain way, every time they criticize it means less and less and less it, it It's less impactful because you know they, they just they're they're just saying stuff all the time that's mean and vicious and nasty and and just unwelcome, and that's you know it, it's we're getting tired of it. I, I think the American people are getting tired of it. I hope
2: you're right. Uh, I'd like to uh, take the last uh, couple of minutes and raise an issue to our guest. Yes. What did you think of the memo released by the House Intelligence Committee?
1: You know, I was talking to one of my attorneys uh, a couple of weeks ago about this, and he told me it was going to be the biggest thing ever since Watergate. It was going to blow the lid off everything, and it was going to be terrible. And as you watch the news, I mean, it's almost these people have gotten so good at propaganda that they uh, this this most incredible, incriminating, terrible political news, they've turned it around in a way that is just absolutely shocking. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's and and the news media is kind of with them in this, that they don't want it to be so, so they kind of make it be so. So, you know, I don't know. To me, it seemed like uh, when you start politicizing the FBI, the Justice Department, and some of the other important institutions in our country, that's a bad thing. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, it, it's like out of context, and you didn't really get all the information. It's only one little memo. and It's like not a big deal, and you know, it, <laughs> it's the same thing. It, it, it's the same pattern. It's like if it was if it was the other way around, it would be the worst thing in the world, you know. So,
2: Jim, um, I want to uh, uh, I want to follow that with um, something that I'm about to say that probably will be thought provoking, if not scary. <laughs>
0: Okay, jump in there my friend.
2: If you go back a little bit in history and you look at the emails between struck and his mistress, his muse, his lover, whatever, they talked about the the need to to take out Donald Trump, to to try and stop him from being elected. And um and and to get Hillary to win. And one of the things that was talked about that nobody's really jumped on is the word insurance policy. And I began to think about after the memo came out on Friday, that word insurance policy continues to hang around in my brain. And I wonder... As, as, as crazy and outlandish what I'm about to say is, could be construed, I wonder if it was in the mind of some of these people who are now being exposed. I wonder was the insurance, pol- the ultimate insurance policy, if they couldn't get him out through impeachment or resignation, they'd get him out by assassination.
4: I wouldn't be surprised at all, from my point of view. I've said it. I was worried about Donald Trump for all the time. And we, I mentioned it many times in my talks in America, that they would assassinate him. I wouldn't put it beyond them, honestly. It is not impossible. That is the ultimate insurance policy. Back to you. Jim?
1: You know, I always hope that uh, that they actually uh, dislike uh, Mike Pence so much that they they actually would prefer to keep Trump Trump in place.
2: Okay. I mean, we we have to, by looking at the memo and looking at all the other stuff that's come out and more that will probably come out from the Democratic side, which we've been told will be highly redacted. You know, I, I would point to you, look at the commentary from the Justice Department, Look at the commentary from the FBI while this thing was going through the process to be released. And they talked about, including the Democratic operatives, that this would endanger national security. People would die because of it. And when it came out, none of that was there. So I, I really have to, I'm, I'm concerned looking at it from the standpoint of If you look at the dedication that these people had to the removal of Donald Trump, how can we eliminate the possibility that they would not try to assassinate him if they had no other choice, if that was the ultimate insurance policy, if everything else failed? And then the question becomes, what's going on in our government that the people that are there, because of their own political bias, Might be willing to assassinate a president for their own benefit. Geez.
1: Boy, I'll tell you, I sure hope things haven't gotten that bad. I mean, things are bad, 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 but I hope it's not that bad. That's another level. But what if? What if? What if? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's possible.
2: It's possible and I, I have grave concerns that as we get more and more what we're what we're seeing already so far is um, that the deep state that was responsible for this would lie, cheat and steal for their objective. They would not follow the constitution. They wouldn't follow the laws of the land. They wouldn't follow what their protocols are where they were working. They were above the law. They were the elites to decide where the country leadership should be and where should it go. And when the people rebelled by voting for Donald Trump and not voting for Hillary, we've been focusing a lot over the last year about the Democratic reaction and the meltdown of the Democrats uh, over the fact that they still can't accept that Donald Trump was legally elected president of the United States. My concern is that the deep state realized that he wasn't elected, and they were going to do something about it, but it wasn't going to be through a political process. And I I have grave fears as more and more of this comes out, which I believe it will, we're going to find that maybe I'm closer to the truth than most people think I am.
3: Dan, I'm going to jump in here and and say, uh, while well, it's a nice thought, I disagree totally. Okay, it's a I mean, nice thought. <laughs> it's a thought. I don't think you,
2: I don't think you meant that, Don. Well, I, I meant that
3: uh, you brought it up in that way, but but. Uh, uh, I think uh, don't obscure the fact with that uh, misword. I I re- I, re- I really think you're you're reaching way far, and uh, uh, I have more faith in this country than you apparently uh, demonstrate by that thought. I mean, um, it isn't uh, a matter of trust in the country. It
2: isn't the the rank and file, the voters who voted for Mr. Trump, or even the voters who voted for Hillary. It's control of the government by forces who have their own agenda and they don't really care about what the American people think.
3: Well, I think everybody hasn't uh, quoted an agenda, unquote, but um, to go that far um, uh, goes against uh, uh, over 200 years of American history. And... uh, it may be that you're true, which tells us that our educational system has failed. But the FBI that I know, the rank and file that I know, are by and large people that believe in this country, believe in the efficiency of their operation. I've attended more a lot of FBI parties. Etc. And uh, I, I just do not like th- to even uh, bring those things forward because saying it uh, puts it into, into people's minds when I don't really think it's uh, uh, possible. I've been wrong before in life, but I, re- I really f- feel that's going too far. Dan, I would suggest they have to kill both of them because
4: Pence, if when he takes over, if he takes over, he will be worse than Donald Trump.
3: Oh yes. Because yeah. he knows he, he knows the levers of power. And he knows to keep his mouth shut. Exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just I, I would say to you, um I I've been a student of history of this country and I've been I studied a lot of presidential campaigns over the history of this country. I have never seen a first year incumbent president treated by the opposition party and the news media at the level of Mr. Trump has been abused and I think our our guests supported that earlier on in the program that the idea that this this man elected constitutionally has no right to serve because Hillary was supposed to. Uh, these are these are thought processes that are not in our history. They are today, and if we want to put our head in the sand and say, "Well, but our history says we don't do these things," I'm not talking about history. I'm talking about the reality of what's going on today. There is no precedent for what's going on today in our history.
3: Grover part. Cleveland, go back and look at the newspapers of Gro- in Grover Cleveland's time, and you'll you, you'll see uh this and worse uh the the unfortunate part is we have much more media uh now today than we did then but if you go through the uh the newspapers uh, of of Grover Cleveland which many people felt did not deserve the uh, his second term uh you, you'll find it i'm i'm not saying you're wrong Dan or anything it's just bringing this up at this time is uh to, i think counterproductive productive because, uh, because we we uh, in the in the media also have a role of, of uh, being positive about things instead of our constant um, uh, bringing of things uh, uh, the republican and de- democratic i i think Uh, We in the media have got a role of bringing this country together, not pushing it apart.
2: I I disagree that the the role of the media is to make things always positive, because that's... That's not what I said.
3: I said... No, uh, what I said was, uh, our role is to bring this country together, uh, well, and we, I include us on it, we always bring things in terms of Republicans and Democrats rather than America well, we've got to find ways of getting out the message that uh, the the positive messages about America and about what's happening, about the economy about things like that not the fact that Trump did it, but the American people did it, all Trump did was uh, bring, up, bring up the issues, like FDR, when he assured the the nation that the uh, the banks were sound. Uh, tr- all Trump is saying is, we are going to make America great. And, uh, and Americans are rallying around that. And we, as the media, should be doing the same. Well, uh, as, as we wrap up
0: here, I want to start with uh, Dan. Uh, bring us an update on the uh, nonprofit, the books, and everything that you're doing, my friend
2: um the why can't Grammy remember me book is in its uh, f- uh fifth six weeks of marketing campaign we've gotten approximately one hundred and twenty thousand page views um we added uh so far this month or this year we've added five more uh, groups to our eighty five so we're approached we've got ninety groups that we're working with with the veterans and uh terrorist gold the fourth installment of the trilogy is out and uh, starts its major campaign tomorrow
0: fantastic and uh don mazella bring us update on uh, your books and the radio program and everything uh,
3: well our radio program with dan uh recalculating uh dot business is really uh moving ahead um I'm on my horse again because uh, I I went to memorial service for those four chaplains. And uh, when I grew up, America viewed itself as great. Uh, What we're seeing today is an America riven by uh, 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 dissent. And I I just feel strongly that we should somehow or other be moving closer together. That's all I'm going to say. IQ, uh, you're you're on all the
0: different radio, television, and uh, internet programs. Uh, Bring us up to speed on what you're up to, and how we can pick up your books and everything else.
4: All you have to do is Google my name, Al Rasuli, A L R A S S O O L I. That's all you need to do. It's all there, free of charge. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and uh and joel before we let you go uh bring us up to speed on everything that you're involved in and how we can get in touch with you
1: well listen uh joel block uh, i've got um i've got a book all about uh how to stop hustling gigs and start building a business so for those people who are part of the gig economy uh, all kinds of suggestions for how to string those things together in a way that uh, takes care of your family and uh, makes your future better than it is now and, and that's available on amazon
0: Fantastic.
1: I would encourage people to go out and see it. And and then, listen, I I speak regularly to corporations, associations, and other kinds of businesses. And, uh, you know, for those companies, uh, they're welcome to go to my website, uh, bullseyecap.com. So Bullseye Capital is the name of the company, bullseyecap.com.
0: Good stuff. Well, uh, thank you, gentlemen. And uh, we will will talk to you guys uh, next week, I believe. Uh, Thank you, Joel. Thanks for being our guest today.
1: Thank that you. Might be great. Hey, thank very much. Take care.
0: Bye. Thank you, guys. There goes our panel. And, uh, thanks for joining us here on our app, chickiecheckwire.us. Thanks for downloading the app and, uh, streaming us on audio and video. And, uh, thanks for joining us here on Facebook Live. Uh, it's always entertaining to see what the hell we can pull off on Facebook Live. So thank you. And, uh, thanks for joining us here on YouTube as well. And, uh, That is that. It's been the Wednesday edition of the World Famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. It is now replay time.
1: Can you say that one more time, please?